podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Well, today obviously is a little bit of a different service. And, um, but you know, honestly, I, I wanted to say one thing and then I'm going to have Brenda come up and share this word just to bring a little context to those of us who might be with us today for the first time, or, uh, you might be new to the Antioch family. So maybe you've been here for several times, but, uh, you're still learning some of the culture. Um, here's, here's what's clear in, in, in the midst of great uncertainty, because our goal here is not it's not certainty. The goal of our gathering together every Sunday morning, the goal of our fellowship, it's, it's not certainty. It's not to know exactly what we're going to do and peg it all down. And the, So what's clear is that what is certain is that while we plan and while we prepare and while we pray and while we put loads and loads and loads of time into making sure that that um, everything that we do here in our gathering is strategic and that it is um, thoughtful, that it is reflectful, it is theological. Um, All of that's always submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. And I want to be very, very clear, first and foremost, that, guys, this, this house, it's his. This house belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the author and he is the finisher. He's the Lord of Antioch Church. And he always will be as long as I have any any say in it at all. Um, and it's a prayer that I pray definitely weekly on my good weeks daily. And it's Jesus, this is your house. This is your house. This is your people. Give me the grace and the wisdom and the strength to be a faithful son and a faithful steward to what you are doing. Help me to discern the ministry and the movement, the activity of what you are doing in and among this people. But guys, this house belongs to Jesus. I want us to always remember that. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong. It's not a democracy. It doesn't belong to the elders. It doesn't belong to me. This house belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we all, as a community of believers and as a family of sons and daughters, as we all posture our hearts to seek God, mornings like this will happen. And we have no idea what happens on a morning like this. Honestly, we have no idea what happens on any Sunday morning. And I want to be very clear that the goal of Sunday morning is not these kind of interruptions. This, this, is, this is not the pinnacle of spirituality. The pinnacle of spirituality is saying, yes, Lord. The pinnacle of spirituality is, Lord, where are you going? And I want us to be clear that that he is very much, he is as much in the prepared liturgy as he is in the off-script liturgy. He is in both of those spaces. One is not more holy or more spiritual than the other. The goal is to find him in all that we do. And so I want us to just make sure that we're setting the compass and the trajectory of our expectations well, because it's easy to walk out of a service like this and go, that was it. That's what every Sunday is supposed to be. And that's just not true. 
and, and, and in so doing, what we'll do is we'll look back on the Sundays that do not look like this and we'll despise them or we'll discount them. Um, God was, God was, you know, when the children of Israel were following the cloud and the pillar of fire through the desert, those moments when the fire showed up, God was clearly in that. But listen, when he was like, hey, I'm here, set up camp, chill out for a while. We have no idea how long they had to stay in the desert until he was like, it's time to move again. But he was in that space as well. He is in all that we do. He is in common elements. That is the beauty and the mystery of the sacramental life that he is infusing all of time and space with his spirit and his presence. Um, Brenda, come on up and share what you feel like the Lord put on your heart. I felt like it was good and right. Thank you. Um, when we were in the presence of the Lord, uh, Father wants to say thank you, Pastor, for letting him have his way today. He said you made room for him. And he says thank you for that. Um, when we were in his presence, it was like a sweet presence of the Lord just came in on everybody. And the scripture that I got was, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And where my presence is, there's fullness of joy. And I saw little locks and I saw these fetters and chains being slowly broken off of each and every one of you. I saw some in your minds and I saw some chains also fall off in your hearts and in deep places that you couldn't do by yourself without his presence. He says, because you guys came in. So he says his presence brings transformation and change. Then I also saw the, the, the scripture he gave me. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. And there were some dry places in your life. Sometimes you feel just so dry and don't and, and need a change. In the presence of the Lord, I really saw his refreshing water coming through and overtaking you from the inside out. And God says, my river is here. I will refresh you. I will set the captives free. God says, I'm doing a new thing in this season. Just continue to press into my presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so typically on a normal Sunday morning service after worship, we, uh, we have a time where we uh, worship the Lord with our giving, and then we, we break, and we have a time of connecting one with one another, and we come back, we have a few announcements, we get into the preaching of the word, all that's turned upside down. This morning, I'm going to share a few thoughts, and what I'll do is today was actually the day where we're closing out our Psalms series. We had a magnificent Psalm today. We actually read it at the beginning of service, so uh, unless the Lord says otherwise, I'll just set that aside for next Sunday. I do have a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you. I'll share these, and then Jordan, I'll have you come up and lead us in our in our worship through our giving, and then we'll come to the table and we'll be we'll be sent out. Um, I do want to make sure that I do not forget to say this because I, I can have a thousand things running through my head up here. And there are some key announcements, not the least of which is, guys, family talk is tonight. And thank you for the woohoos. Um, and uh, I'm telling you, I, Jonathan and I, I think, hit, Jonathan, Christy, and I hit a massive moment of clarity. And I don't want to be so dramatic as to call it breakthrough, but the way that certain concepts came together for the future of Antioch that we'll be sharing tonight um, is really exhilarating, very, very exciting um, on, on several levels. So uh, for those of you who are not aware of what Family Talk is, 
uh, last year, around this time, actually, we started a series on the church and we culminated the series with a call to the spirit of membership. And we are learning more and more um, what it is that we are asking those of you who feel God has called you to be a member of this community of faith, what that is and what that looks like. And so we're going to share some of that tonight. So for those of you who are members of the house, you've made that commitment in your heart, uh, that family talk is a night where we gather together. We talk about where things are, where things are going. Uh, we solicit contribution and um, um, we want you to be a part of that. For those of you who are here today and you would say, I sense that the Lord might be calling me to be a member of this community. We invite you to come tonight. Typically we have a meal, but tonight we are not having a meal. So for those of you who are hearing this for the first time, no meal tonight. We are meeting at 6 o'clock. Six o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be 30 minutes late. We're meeting at six o'clock. Um, we are shaving off the meal, but please bring a dessert, something sweet. Eat beforehand and we will relish in sugar together. All right. Sweet September is what we're calling this. All right. So uh, I invite you all to come. And again, those of you who are thinking maybe the Lord might be drawing us and calling us into this community of faith, come and um, maybe the Lord will speak to you tonight towards that end. Very, very quickly, a um, couple of thoughts. Number one, I, I shared the first. Guys, I want us to always be anchored in this. Jesus is the center of Antioch Church. He is the center of his church, but I'm not responsible for what other people do with their local fellowships. So as far as it rests upon me and the elders of this house, this church is going to be centered on the foundation of the cornerstone of Jesus. And what that looks like for us is we are um, going to be faithful in the way that we engineer the liturgy of this house. We're going to be faithful in the songs that we choose to sing to Jesus. We're going to be faithful in the true uh, and accurate uh, preaching of the gospel. We're going to come faithfully to the table um, where the presence of the Lord is here. And we are going to endeavor to live out uh, our Christian faith in a spirit of community as unto Jesus and we're going to endeavor to be obedient to the things that he has asked of us as his people. That's what that looks like. That's what that means. And in the middle of all that, um, there is this, there's this dynamic, living, breathing, organic thing called the Holy Spirit. All right? That is living and moving and breathing amongst and within every single one of us. And so we're saying, Holy Spirit, you who are alive, you who are like rushing, raging waters, um, you who are, you are like, you're dynamic. You're not just like, we can't figure you out. You're unpredictable. You're fierce. You're volatile. You're amazing. Holy Spirit, we, we want you here. We have to have you here. The present ministry of God in the earth is in the Holy Spirit. And so we are a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered, spirit-breathed people of God. And we're not ever straying from that. I want you guys to know that. We, we must have the Holy Spirit to be who God has called his church to be in the earth in this hour. And so moments like today, and it's not, again, it's not just today, but when we, when we say, hey, we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna follow this river this way. Um, for those of you who that might be a little unfamiliar, you would say, I don't, this is not my natural, normal church experience um, this is not every Sunday. And listen, I, I say that in the very next breath, the Holy Spirit might say, well, you know, for a season, we might need to do something like this. I, I'm, I'm not the one who calls the final shots on those things. 
all right? I'm only the one who steps out there on a limb. If the limb breaks, I know he's going to catch me, and hopefully there's a people who will go with us out on that limb. I mean, that's just pretty much all there is to it. Um, Here's the second thought. Surrender uh, to the heart and the will of God is the daily Christian life, you guys. And it's, it's not just in those moments. I mean, I've preached Garden of Gethsemane messages since I was a kid. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus goes to the garden, and we know that it's this wine press. It's one of the hardest moments in Jesus' life. He's sweating blood, and he says, Father, you know, make this cup pass for me. But then he says this classic statement. He says, not my will, but your will be done. Alyssa, that's in uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And, um, but I think somewhere along the line, I've, I've, I've just kind of categorized that as we surrender during the hard things, right? The, oh, I don't really want to do this, but I surrender. Guys, surrender to the leadership, the voice, the ministry of Jesus is what the Christian life is all about. In every living second of life that we live, from the way that we pastor and disciple our children to the way that we interact with our friends and our enemies and our neighbors and the stranger, it's, Lord, I surrender to what it is that you are saying and that you are doing and what you are calling me to in this moment. This feels uncomfortable. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Not my will, but your will be done. That is the Christian life. And we wanna model that for you in every way that we possibly can. Third thought here is not only a surrender to the heart and the will of God, the Christian life, but intimacy with God. And I believe that our surrender flows out of our intimacy. Because if our surrender doesn't flow out of our intimacy, then our surrender really is just kind of this sense of religious coercion, right? We're just, we're kind of surrender. We're like saying uncle, but we're tapping out because we're afraid. And what, what I believe the Christian life really is all about is that God loves us into surrender. He captures us. He captures us. And one of the things that I love doing is, you know, from Jeremiah to Ezekiel to all the way in Revelation is, I love looking at how people respond to Jesus when he shows up. I mean, they're just captured by him. And I've been, I've been, Christy and I have been discipling our kids. And I said, guys, for, for a while, Milana's 11. She's going to turn 12 in a few weeks. Kenya just turned 10. Our boys are five. They'll be six in a few weeks. And I said, guys, we're just going to live in the gospels for several years and, and they asked a wonderful question, a very understandable question. Why can't, well, why can't we just start from the beginning and read the way through? And I said, I said, guys, if we can just be captured by the man Jesus, then we're going to have that, in, we're going to have that impetus to like sludge through Leviticus and Ezekiel, right? Because we're so captured by this man, Jesus Christ. And, and I really think there's, that, that should be a part of the wonder of our Christian life, you guys. That somehow, some way, that in the corporate family, in the midst of us being faithful to good grounded theology, in the midst of us coming and honoring the, the, the ordinances of the Lord, that, we're, that we never lose our wonder. We're captured by Jesus. And I, wanted, I just want to send this out there to you guys. Like, guys, be captured by the Lord Jesus. When you get into the Gospels, be captured by him. Stand in awe of Jesus. Like, let him just get deep. So, like, just be enthralled 
with how beautiful he is. I keep saying this to my kids. I'm like, guys, he's so beautiful. And they haven't asked me yet, and I'm praying that they don't, but like, God, well, Jad, why do you keep saying that this man is so beautiful? And it's, it really is, man, that the, the beauty of the incarnation, the mystery of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, there is such a beauty and a wonder and a treasure in this that is so valuable that when we discover it, we really will sell everything. I mean, when Caitlin started singing that, like, I will sell everything for this love, that is the Christian life, to be captured by the love of God. And as I'm just on my face, I'm saying, God, capture my heart again, again, touch my emotions, touch my emotions, oh God, capture my imagination for who you are and for what it means to live as your son in this hour today. Break beyond religious barriers, break beyond traditions of men, break beyond cultural status quo and make me radical in my love for you. Make me radical in my love for you. You know, I was, I was sitting here and, and I thought to myself, um, and Honestly, I just kind of forgot that all of you guys were there. And, and the thought that came to my mind was, Lord, I really could just be here for hours. And I'm not awkward at all at, at, you know, why isn't Jonathan singing another song? I'm not awkward because I've never been awkward in the presence of someone I'm madly in love with. I'm just, I've never, I've never been awkward in the presence of someone I'm madly, madly in love with. And someone who's madly in love with me and listen, if you're not in that space where you're saying, I am madly in love with Jesus, listen, it's okay because he is madly in love with you, madly in love with you, ridiculously in love with you. He went to the cross because of his furious, like radical love, the out of bounds love for you and for his love for the father. And so listen, you are in the presence of three people, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are ridiculously in love with each other and you, and you're being invited into that space. That's the Christian life. That is the Christian life. Here's another thought that I felt like the Lord had for some of us today, and that is the Lord has brought you too far to just let you go. I don't know who's been saying this to yourselves. I don't know who's been entertaining the thought of the enemy, but sometimes I know that you can get into something that you believed was the Lord, you can get into journey with Jesus, and then you kind of have these freak out moments like, oh my God, did he just, did he leave me? Did he, did he abandon me? Like, is he still here? Is he still, is, is, and I just felt the Lord to say to you today, Antioch, I have not brought you this far to just let you go. And I was reminded, and listen, if you want to put this on the screen, in Matthew chapter 14, um, beginning, I believe it's, yeah, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22, just wonderful story. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Uh, there is an other side that you're going to. The, it exists, it's there. You're, you're in between this side and that side. And in between this side and that side, and listen, the Christian life is, there's a lot of these moments in the Christian life right? But in between this side and that side, there's some turbulence. There's some freak out moments. There's some, oh my God, is, are you still here? There's some, am I still following you? And am I still being faithful? And did you really call me out to this? 
Verse 23, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves. What a great word, battered, battered. I just, the, when I hear battered, I just think of like massive logs in Braveheart, just slamming against castles. And so like, you know, here's this water, these winds battering against the boat. The boat was now far from the land. Imagine this now. There is this space just physically speaking, and whether it's, you know, let's just take boats. Like you jump in the boat and you kind of go out. There is kind of this, all right, man, if things get too dicey, I can jump back in the water. I can swim back. I can turn around. But then there's that point of no return, right? And then you're like, I'm further away from the land than when I started, but yet I'm not close enough to the place where I'm going, Anybody ever been there before? Anybody, anybody there now where you're like, I'm in the holy junk moment of my life because I'm not close to the land I left and I'm like far away from the land I feel like he's called me to, okay? Uh, look at verse 25. Early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the, what a show off. <laughs> Dude, seriously, he could have translated himself if he wanted to, but he's just got to show these guys. Look, guys, like... And he's unfazed. Like the wind and the waves are like battering against the boat and he's just like chilling, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him, they cried out, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Take heart. I feel like the Lord just is saying that to some people today. Take heart, take heart. Remember Bobby's word two weeks ago, take heart, it is I, I am here. I am with you. I am with you. I am in this, I am in this, take heart, don't let fear overtake you. So Peter, I love Peter, said, okay, if it is you, I want to walk on water too. And so Jesus has said, fine, come on, let's go, come on, walk on water, come be with me. So like, look, Peter got out of the boat, let's actually first, Jesus said, come, come on, the invitation is there. And some of us have stepped out into that invitation. Some of us have stepped out on that invitation. You're like, God, oh, this is scary. This is impossible. This, is, this has not been done before. I'm breaking barriers in my family. Nobody in my family line has done this before. There's, I don't have enough hours in the day to do this. I honestly, all my friends are calling me crazy. My parents are turning their back on me. This is crazy. Jesus says, come, I am inviting you. Peter gets out of the boat, gets on the water, and he starts walking toward Jesus. He's walking toward Jesus. He's doing it. He's walking on water. It's a miracle. But then he takes his eyes off Jesus. And what does he notice? What does he notice? Strong winds. He became frightened and he began to sink. Lord, save me. And some of us are there right now. Some of us are in that space where again, you're too far from the boat. So now not only is the boat too far from the land, now he got out of the boat and he's too far from the boat. And he's past the point of no return. And here's the word of the Lord for somebody today. The word of the Lord is, I did not bring you this far to let you sink and drown right in front of me. Take it, take it, that's you. I didn't bring you all the way out here to literally stand right in front of you and watch you sink in front of me and go, sucker, right? But we feel that way. We feel that way. We get a little insecure. God, are you still with me? He's with you. He's with you. Okay, 
Now, listen, now, now, if there are things that you're just doing, on, you're just showboating on your own and he didn't say come and you're just like, guys, watch this, I'm gonna do this and he didn't say come, well, you gotta evaluate that and you gotta swim back to the boat. Or you need to say, Lord, save me. And he will save you. Listen, he will save you even if you got out of the boat on your own. He will still save you. All right, here's, here's the last thought and I'll be very, very brief on this. Um, I sense that the Lord is saying that um, many of us in this room, many of us in this room have had seasons of our lives where, and the reference point here is in Genesis 26. So if you want to write that down, read that, you can look at it later. But in Genesis chapter 26, the chapter starts off and um, there's a famine in the land. Uh, Isaac is in the land. He's trying to be faithful to the covenant that God has established with his father, Abraham. And uh, he's in famine. And as we read the entirety of Genesis 26, it's just such a phenomenal and beautiful story. I really encourage you to read it. What we find is that as Isaac is faithful to a place of famine, he sows in the place of famine, even though he wants to leave. God says, listen, I'm calling you here. I know it looks like it's desert land. I know it looks like there's nothing here, but I'm calling you here. Settle. Some of you guys just need to settle. Settle. And then he says, not only settle, but sow. I'm going to get a three-point sermon on S's right now. Settle, sow, and then I will send. Okay. (laughs) By my spirit. No, but um, this is a great scripture right now. So (laughs) this is really super. So um, anyways, God calls Isaac, he sows into the land, reaps a hundredfold, becomes really prosperous. And then the people of that land are like, you gotta get out of here. So then he goes into another land. And what he finds is that the wells that his father had dug, the wells that his father had dug, Abraham had dug these wells and he dug these wells both in the time of need, but also, but also he dug these as memorials in his journey with God. And some of us have dug some wells in our lives. You understand what I mean when I say digging wells? Like, you remember, come on, guys, you remember those seasons where, like, you couldn't put this down? Remember those seasons? God is, God is bringing me to, that, to another season like this where I just, I'm just, like, digging and digging and digging, right? The two-minute two devotional is not enough. The 10-minute devotional, the 20-minute, the 30, the, the hour. And, and it's not, I'm not following a plan. I'm like, God, I'm just devouring this, and I'm digging, And I'm not digging to get a message for Antioch Church. I'm digging because there's something in you that you're calling me to, all right? There's been seasons in my life. I remember my dad would walk into my room as a teenager and I'd be sprawled out on the floor with three or four different translations of the Bible. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm just, and I didn't know it then, but I was digging a well. I was digging a well. And that well sustained me through many seasons of life. But that that well has dried up. I need to dig a new well. So here's the word for some of you that there are old wells that you've dug that you've allowed to dry up and you've got to reopen those wells. Some of you guys would worship God for hours, hours. How many, come on. How many of you in this room, you would worship him for hours, right? Nobody? Okay, well, I know that I, yes. You would worship him for hours. Okay, you would wake up early. You were digging a well. And then you just, for whatever reason, life circumstance, fatigue, tired, busyness, distraction, the well, you just, you allow the well, the Lord is saying you need to redig those wells. Some of those, well, you can't do them all at the same time, but some of those wells, the Lord is redigging up for you. The Lord's doing that with me with the mission, with missions and the lost right now. That was a massive well in my life, guys. Radically changed my life. I couldn't go anywhere without weeping for the nations, putting my hands on maps, sharing the gospel with anything that breathed. And for whatever reason, I moved away from that. But that's a well that's in my life. And the Lord is saying, there are wells that I'm asking you to redig. 
Some of you, the well is the the prophetic. Activate that junk. Some of you, it's soul winning. Some of it's scripture reading. Some of you, it's fasting. I I pray God never asked me to dig that well. No, No, I'm joking because he has. I, I have had seasons of extended fasting. But listen, there are wells in your life, and he, and he will tell you, if you just ask him, Lord, is there a well that you're asking me to redig? He'll, he'll show you what that is. But then there's new wells. If you would say, Lord, are there any new wells that you're calling me to dig? And he will show you what those are. Um, Jonathan, if you would come forward, I'm going to, actually, Jordan, I'm going to hijack your, your time of giving. <laughs> just on a roll, bro. <laughs> And honestly, I didn't even see this coming, but listen, there have been seasons in our lives when we had way less money than we have. I got so convicted the other day, guys. God. Man, (laughs) when Chris and I first got married, we were making $18,000 a year between the both of us. Some of you are like, that's a lot. Listen, guys, that's not a lot, okay? But the church that we came from in Tulsa, the church we came from in Tulsa had a missions culture. And every October, we would do what was called faith promise giving. For those of you guys who are unaware what faith promise giving is, and we're not doing that right now, I'm just giving you a little anecdote, a little story. But faith promise giving is where you would sit down for the entire month of October and you would say, Lord, what are you asking me? What are you inviting me to pledge for the next year to give monthly to missions? And man, we were just, we were, we were up to our ears in debt. We were broke. We were making 18 grand a year. God told her not to work the secular job. She would have been making 70 grand easy. And the Lord said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to work with Jade. And man, we just obeyed. And the Lord literally fed us with ravens, man. He brought blessings out of the sky from the most crazy places. And I'll never forget, man, the first year we did faith promise giving, I just said, God, I don't have anything to give, but but I can, I can chunk out $10, $10 a month. I can, I can do that. $10 a month, every year, 2005, we gave to the Lord. Not 2005, 2001. The next year, we doubled that. Said, Lord, we can, we can, we can do 25 bucks a month. Next year, we doubled that. We can do $50 a month. Next year, we doubled that. We can do $100 a month. Next year, we doubled that. We can do $200 a month for missions. Next year, we, we, we climbed up. I think we got to like $300 a month, man. And it's just the craziest thing. Then we moved here. We went through our own struggles financially. And the Lord just has just carried us and sustained us. He's expanded us. He's increased us. But you know what? I'm not giving $300 a month to missions anymore. What happened? What happened to that well? What happened to that well? And... You know, I think we can just we can kind of we can kind of just get off course. Is the tithe biblical? Is it Old Testament? Is it New Testament? Man, at the at the end of the day, be faithful to the wells that God's asking you to dig. And there there have been seasons in my life, man, where God has asked me to give like way beyond what I had. And I said, if you will provide it, I will give it. I will give it. Expand my baseline. Expand my baseline of my giving. And for me, that baseline is, is 10%. But like there have been seasons in my life when I did not have more than 10% to give, but I said, God, I want you to expand my baseline. I want you to expand my faith. I want you to increase me. I don't want not to go in debt, but I want you to increase my baseline. And he's been faithful to do that. And I've, and I've, and I've walked away from that for a season. We kind of, we went back to the 10% baseline. 
And the Lord is now saying, it's time to redig a new well, son. So last week it was, um, you know, I really shouldn't be looking at new shoes and looking at, you know, freaking golf memberships and looking at all kinds of stuff. That's like, he's like, how many kids, how many kids are you sponsoring in Eswatini? Oh, you have an increase, but how many, are you going to increase the lives that you're going to touch? This is no guilt or condemnation on anybody. I'm just sharing with you what God's doing in me, guys. Because for me, when I get a little bit more money, I know, I mean, listen, I like stuff. I'm, you know, and the Lord's like, that's fine. But there are kids that have no food that you're, that you, you call them your family. See, so it's just, God, expand my baseline. Increase me increase me and help me to think beyond what is happening here and now in this place of comfort. So that was free. That was off the script. Jordan, what you probably had to say was way better than that. Um, Ushers, come on forward if you would. Let's worship the Lord with our giving of our tithe and our free will offering to the Lord. And I'm going to pray over our our giving. Guys, our, our giving touches a lot of things, it touches a lot of peoples, not the least of which is those that God has called into full-time vocational ministry in the context of Antioch Church, this space that we have designated and designed to be used for ministry and harvest, local ministry, global ministry, on and on it goes. So Father, we ask today, I ask you today, that you would, would touch the loaves and the fishes of our tithe and our offering. Father, whatever our baseline is, We ask you today, God, that you would speak to us to dig new wells, to dig new wells, Father, where we would sow seed in the time of famine and know that you are faithful to breathe on that seed, to expand that seed, and to do what only you can do with that seed, Lord, to expand um, our storehouse, to be generous givers, to partner and participate with the work of the world, of the work of the world, uh, the work of the Lord in the world through the means of finances. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, for the grace to be generous givers. I pray for the grace to be extravagant givers. I pray for the grace, God, to go above and beyond the minimum, to be on this house, and not just for our sake, God, for for the sake of the world. And I ask you this today by faith in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord with our giving today. And while those guys are going by, I'm going to also invite those ministers of the table to come forward. You guys can just shoot right up here to the table. It's all good. Thank you. Thank you, Colicots. Thank you, Thompsons. Are you looking for your partner, Rachel? Let us stand to our feet this morning. I never told you guys this, but six months ago, I went to a church conference here in town. And we got in groups of about five or six with different pastors across the nation. And here's the first question they asked all of us at these tables. They said, I want you to take three minutes and share what you think is extravagant and exceptional about your church. And you know, as pastors, I'll be honest with you, um, probably like business owners or maybe like parents, like we, we tend to only see, 
you know, problems or the things that are negative or challenges. But as I engaged with that exercise, man, I was reminded that we are an exceptional house, guys. We are an exceptional house. What an amazing family. You know what I love about this guy? Is that every single time I talk to him on the phone or meet with him in person, he's bragging on you. I love it. He's like, dude, our church is amazing. Like literally, it's that every single time. And it reminds me, I want, I want, you, I want you to know, man, for those of you who got, Antioch is a special place. And this is what I felt like the Lord told me this morning. This is what the Lord told me this morning. He said, son, this is my house. I got this. I got this. Y'all, y'all can all, it, listen, it don't matter what happens. God's got this house. This house belongs to him. And he wants Antioch in the earth. He wants Antioch in the earth. He wants Antioch to multiply. He wants us to mature so we can multiply. Because man, there are spaces of darkness that we're called to inhabit with the goodness of God, the revelation of sonship, the reality of the kingdom, the power of the spirit. So in the name of Jesus, as we come to your table today, God, we thank you. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you for spiritual family. Thank you for a charismatic people. Thank you for the mission of the cross, God. Thank you today. Thank you that you met with us today. You're so faithful. You call us to come and to gather. And Lord, as we respond, Lord, here you are ministering to us, comforting, healing, strengthening, restoring, encouraging, edifying God today as we come to the table of the Lord. As sons and daughters who belong, I'm asking that even now in this sacramental space, you would infuse it with the life of your spirit in Jesus' name. Come to the table of the Lord, Antioch, and receive. to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.